Hello, um, this is John Pear again. This is my second poetry podcast and follows the same pattern as the first. A sonnet, something in my miscellaneous file, although it might always have been filed under another heading, uh, I suppose, as could the sonnet, um, such as nature. And finally, one from Broad. The first one, A Warm Day, I wrote during lockdown or very shortly afterwards. There is a row of poplars at the bottom of the playing field my house adjoins with seemingly loose-jointed leaves. A Warm Day The fluttering poplar leaves now sit inert, the breeze has died all night, the sky is blue and cloudless though it's early in the morn, as yet but they have forecast staying thus, and being hot as any day this year. I break my fast, and later on I go my lengthened route to town for exercise, which takes me out towards the downs. I walk through cemeteries' graves, and skyward look, as I sense movement well above my head. I see a tabid buzzard there, that is being harried by a crow, as oft occurs. At last the crow gives up, and homeward flaps away. The buzzard soars on thermals on this lovely day. This second one is Driving at Sunset. It describes my return journey from seeing a play at Tembury Wells, and I wrote this in July 2016, probably in at about 10pm, it's the journey time. On my way home in the car, snatches of a breathtaking sunset flickered in my outside mirrors, with pinks and reds and oranges and golds, the first mainly tinting the clouds on the southeastern horizon, the last giving brilliant edges to the low clouds to the northwestern. Sealed in my car, it was a timeless trip, watching the road to the front of me, but checking my mirrors for the magic that lay behind occasionally finding that the last bend had caused me to run parallel to the glory, which most of the time was lost to me by hedges. But then another bend, and particularly if on a rise, there reversed to my rear was that fantastic light show. The third definitely dates back to lockdown, 7th April 2020, so about two weeks in. Caroline, whom I'd been seeing virtually every weekend and whom I was due to marry in six months' time, of course could not travel down, so I had time on my hands. A day like today. On a day like today, all seems right with the world from the recreation ground on which I walk my dog. I know that outside it we have a serious health crisis, but the sky is blue with only a little high cloud and fewer vapour trails than usual, the sun shines, small leaves sprout from branches, there is blossom on plum, damson and cherry trees, and birds sing. I know that my return to the use of hearing aids has enabled me to hear every bird afresh, but there seem to be so many birds chattering and carolling today, though difficult to pin down visually now so many formerly bare branches are clothed, if only partially. Quadraphonic sound is all around, emphasised by the near absence of traffic noise. And as I was out walking, a small feather from above fell noiselessly near me, illuminated by the bright sun.
past goes back to July 2002, when my then wife Sandy and I went out to Sri Lanka with our good friends and neighbours Sheila and Graham Barker. Our driver was a 68-year-old who had spent his whole career in tourism, had been pressed to retire by his children at 65 and had spent three desperate years becoming increasingly depressed until they relented and bought him a minivan. He was an Anglophile and very knowledgeable. Lucien Soiser We saw our driver fleetingly the day before the trip began, far older than the unlucky one who gets our no when he appears. Now it comes down to meeting, he has hint of Gandhi and a van, of which he's proud, financed by some. He's been in tourism for years. He quickly tells us on the road that moderate driving is, is his rule, and this most quickly is revealed as tuk-tuks, lorries, buses, bikes come past, as we in gentle mode survey the sights. Lucian's no fool and clearly keeps his eye well peeled, informing us, finding our likes. He takes us to the orphanage place where elephants come down to wash, some fifty having lost their herds, a while we run the gauntlet back, warned to restraint against Trinket's base, Lucian's protective of our cash. Post sandwich, just too bad for words, for Jesse's elephants, we change track. We find the place, we see the book in which dear Jess wrote her goodbye. We note her charge, say a farewell, and soon are in Garden of Spice, with explanation and a look at many types, followed by try part successful as hard sell of smelly products. Some are nice. Lucian bemoans the latest start. We cannot reach the expected goal. Dambul as far as we can get and darkness falls some kilos short. Transit hotel sounds less than smart. Though rooms are clean, there is a hole where shower door used to be set. It came off in our hand, they snort. Um, Jess uh, was Cheetah and Graham's youngest daughter who'd spent, I think, three months out in Sri Lanka working in the um, Second Elephant Orphanage. And that's it for today. Um, another one out in about a week. Thank you. Bye-bye. The second poem today I wrote in 2019 and it's not meant too seriously. Though I did have a heart attack in 2016 and more recently an endarterectomy in February 2022. I still play tennis regularly and regard myself as pretty fit. It's called A Little Song of Age. I can cope with being 72 when I think of all that number can do. It divides by two and three and four, and as multiples there are plenty more, such as six and eight and nine and twelve, and we should not think to quietly shelve 18, 24 and 36, which all go easily into the mix. Biblically, I may be past my sell-by date, but the pearly gates will have to wait. If a slight downside must interpose, it is that it also makes half a gross. So I welcome this age with open arms and trust that it comes without alarms. The third poem today is from my nature section um, and I wrote it in March 2017 
It describes our favourite place locally, the National Trust's old manor house on the Brockhampton estate just outside Bromyard. It's called A Spring Walk With You, you being Caroline, of course. On a lovely spring day, we walked, spirits high through the woods, glad for the celandines, glossy lemon against their green foliage, and for the delicate white wood anemones dancing in the breeze they are named for, and close in the warmth of our love for the simple beauty of nature and for each other. Skirting the muddy residues of winter rain and saddened by the great oaks brought to ruin by the February storm, we reached the metal lane and walked past full-trumpeted daffodils and the occasional clump of pale primroses along to the manor house with its lime-washed oak frame and out-of-square gatehouse spanning the incomplete moat and underpassed by mallards thriving in the sunshine where soon there will be water lilies and maybe a flotilla of ducklings. After a period of rest and fuelled for our uphill return by a large ice cream, we stepped back onto the driveway, still hand in hand, absorbed in each other, but aware of our lovely surroundings, this time smoothing the gradient and retaining clean footwear by keeping to the lane all the way to the top, pausing only to re-examine the northwards view to Clee Hill and its electronic beacon in the neighbouring county, and to breathe in, relax into the scenery, beginning to burst into verdant life now that the weather is warmer and the days longer. Oh, my love, to share such simple things with you gives me the greatest pleasure and draws us ever closer, each to the other. Over Christmas in 2002 and the new year following, Sandy and I flew out to Goa to meet number three son, Chris, who had recently spent a month in Sri Lanka and was working his way up the west coast of India with his then-current girlfriend, Jane. We spent Christmas Day on a train and did a circuit including Bijapur, Pune, Madhuran, Mumbai and back to Goa. Madhuran was a hill station similar to Simla, where officials of the British Raj were wont to spend time to escape sea level temperatures at the hottest times of year. This is called Lord's Central Hotel, Matheran. The sky is blue, the flowers are red, the monkeys scramble overhead. They'll loot your things in search of food. A catapult is good, though crude. The earth is red, the trees are green. At every turning there's a scene or vista to delight the eye till hazy valley meets the sky. The walls are red, the roofs are tin, the monkeys make an awful din. Across, the pato tapers, falls to form a ridge with high, steep walls. The pool is blue, the terrace red, the flowers sparkle in each bed. The water's cold and numbs each limb, but three now have a bracing swim. The day is calm, the games are good, some breaks refreshing us with food. The chessmen have a battle and, we all agree, the day's been grand. Welcome to episode five of Pear's poetry podcast, Travelling. I'm John Pear. The first poem is a sonnet I wrote on the first anniversary of Caroline's and my first face-to-face -face meeting, in which I recalled my reactions to it. 
We were spending occasional weekends together, she being in Liverpool while I was in Bromyard, Herefordshire, but a lot of our communication was by text and email. First meeting. It is one year ago today since we first met to see if our exchanges bore some promise rare or whether it was just a trick of internet that made us think that we might soon begin to care one for the other as has quickly proved the case. But back then in the lovely Lodge Lane coffee house, in US terms you might perhaps say our first base, I liked you muchly. Knew already you weren't scouse, though even if I'd found you were, it would have made no difference. As we walked post-coffee, it was clear that you were bright as well as beautiful. That laid a fine foundation for a future ever near. Despite the distance between us through the dawdling week, togetherness is something we both love to seek. My second poem today is somewhat miscellaneous. Looking at its date, I wrote it on the first anniversary of our engagement, 2nd of February 2019, but we were also approaching Valentine's Day, of course. And it's called Back in Valentine's Day. Little is very reliably known of Valentine on his martyr's throne, although it seems to be the case that Valentine, our saint, lost face, indeed the whole of his saintly head, and ended up completely dead, despite restoring a child's sight. Whether a judge's or jailer's is quite a matter of great uncertainty, for all that happened we can't now see. But it seems, though the father was convinced, the Emperor Claudius more than winced, commanding V to be beaten dead and dying not that he lose his head somewhere along the Flaminian Way where he might have been up to this day had not his disciples had their way and reinterred him some great way off, so local pagans would not scoff. It's possible his current job of blessing couples who hobnob arose because he married those whose single lives in pantyhose would lead to end up fighting for the aforesaid Claudius in his war, where wedded men would not be sent, and so the rules were somewhat bent by Valentine, who lost his shirt when betting Claudius he'd convert. Much later on, when Chaucer, he who's famed for tales of Canterbury, set forth in Parliament of Fools, made up traditions, written jewels, linked Valentine to courtly love, who blessed it from his seat above. Now courting couples are the fools of marketeering salesmen's tools. The third poem is on the meteorological wing of nature. I wrote it on 1st March 2018, but though that is the meteorological first day of spring, the weather had decided to send us snow. It's called A Walk in the Snow. No tarrying this morning as I walk the dog, hurrying him on as he stops to sniff the snow-covered grass, for myriad flakes are flurrying around my bare head, though otherwise I am well wrapped up, not he. As we turn into the westbound wind, I am harrying him on, noting that the dry Siberian snow is skittering across the field, uncovering stalks of grass to windward, but burying them to leeward. Bare branched trees are buffeted by gusts of the icy wind that keeps the thermometer below zero. In worse affected parts, no doubt, heroes are helping those slithering on our icy roads 
or quietly tending to the elderly and the homeless, bringing folk together because of the weather, whatever their views, as our leaders seem unable to do. The last poem I wrote during Sandy's and my third trip to Sri Lanka. After our and the Barker's trip in 2002, my second son, Tim, and his wife, Yaz, decided on Sri Lanka for their honeymoon. During it, they stayed for at least one night in an hotel that had been converted from a disused tea factory that was still surrounded by tea plantations. They couldn't help but contrast the luxury they were staying in with the corrugated iron huts in which the tea pickers lived. They returned to England determined to raise money, set up a charity and found a school to teach 18 to 24 year olds English, IT and a scheme of personal development. The first school started in January 2010 in a small town called Maskelia. The Tea Leaf Trust, tealeaftrust.com, now runs three such schools in the tea growing area of Sri Lanka. And in fact, I've just discovered that a fourth is set to open any moment now. For at least the first couple of years at Maskelia, staff and Tim and Yaz lived in a rest house run by Hamantha, that was next door to the old wedding hall that TLT converted to house the school. We stayed at Medisha Rest too for the duration of our time in Sri Lanka during that holiday. Medusha Rest. Medusha Rest, Medusha Rest is run by something of a pest. He scrimps and says at every turn, it seems somehow he cannot learn that doing something well just once results in being less a dunce than doing something many times with poor materials, saving dimes. Medusha rest, Medusha rest is not for the discerning guest. The rain seeps in, the paint works thin. It seems the landlord's never in to deal with problems as they come. And when he's there, it's like you're dumb or he is deaf, for he'll just do small parts of what you want him to. Medusha rest, Medusha rest, one cannot speak of it with zest. The water, when there is, is cold unless one pays more, one is told. You want a towel, sir? You must be joking. You say, but it's just. Hermantha, that's the extra cost or all my profit will be lost. Medusha rest, Medusha rest, you ought to see it one time, lest you think that I exaggerate and that it's really, really great. You may go near, you may go far, it's really only worth one star. From north to south, from east to west, there's only one Medusha rest. Thank God. And that's it for episode five. Thank you very much for listening.